Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Like Stars Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Pete Goodman, back with another episode. I know you're all just wondering, when will a new one come after a bit of a long Christmas holiday break? But I am back, and I know you probably didn't notice. Nobody does. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but I took a few weeks off, just spent some time with friends and family. And also, as I, I'm sure you've heard ad nauseum at this point, I was able to finally release my book and did a lot of fun stuff with it over the holidays and also recorded the audiobook version during uh, the break. And that is now up and released and available on Amazon and Audible and all those things. So I'm just really excited about what God is doing with it and already and hearing people uh, give feedback and talk about the ways that it's helped. And uh, I know a lot of you have been following the podcast for a while, so you're probably familiar with it, but uh, it's just, I don't know, I'm really grateful for what God is doing with it. Uh, now, I want to let you know that uh, starting on this episode, I'm doing something kind of a little bit different, something I haven't done on the podcast before. I'm actually going to do almost like a mini series to start off this year. I'm going to do four episodes that all have a similar theme to them and flow together. And the theme is going to be kind of fun. And I I'll put fun in quotes. I want to do uh, just an examination or a walkthrough of some of the aspects of Jesus's own words and the way that he talked that seem a little bit harsh or, or <laughs> what do we do with them? Uh, specifically, I want to talk about some of the comments that Jesus made that might almost sound like he's kind of an insensitive jerk, like some harsh things he had to say. I also want to talk about, uh, there's a moment in, in the Gospels where Jesus calls a foreign woman a dog, and it almost feels like, wait, is Jesus racist? What's going on here? And then one of the big issues that I've had a lot of people talk about, and I figured I'd just do a whole podcast on it, is Jesus' use of slave language. Often has led to a lot of confusion and questions. Was Jesus okay with slavery? Like, what's going on there? And then uh, another fun one that I want to tackle, and I've probably, in terms of getting questions from you, this one has come up a lot, and so I'm going to fit into this. Was Jesus wrong? in when he thought he was going to return. As we'll talk about in that episode, there's a place in Matthew where he talks about the return, it sounds like, and he says, many of you will not die before this happens. And well, that was a couple thousand years ago. Was he wrong? And so over the next few episodes, we're going to talk about things like racism, slavery, <laughs> end times, uh, and in this episode, just some really harsh teachings of Jesus. So it's going to be a great fun start to the new year. And uh, I, I don't know, I, I do enjoy these kind of things. I like diving and digging deeper. Hopefully that's what a lot of you enjoy about the podcast and why you tune in. So yeah, these, this episode and the next three after it are going to be, I think, some pretty deep ones and maybe a little bit serious. We're going to start off with this one, this first episode talking about uh, was Jesus an insensitive jerk? <laughs> he seemed harsh and kind of oh, almost like really grating on people and said some really hard things. And I know you can almost be borderline heretical calling Jesus a jerk. I'm not saying he was, but it is, what's going on here? Uh, we see him saying things like you can't bury your own father and you have to hate your father and mother. And there's just some really harsh stuff. So we're going to talk about that in this episode. But before we dive into that, there's a few things I want to talk about quickly. And as I mentioned Again, <laughs> the book's fully out. The audiobook version is out. And I know there's a lot of you that enjoy the podcast and you enjoy listening. Maybe you're in your car or whatever. And uh, hopefully this is, if you're interested in reading the book, but maybe you're not a reader and you'd rather listen, the audiobook can be a great way to do that. So in celebration of that, in celebration of getting it all done, getting it out, audiobook, everything done, 
I am going to be doing a bit of a promotion. Uh, I'm going to give some free books away. And the way that I'm going to do it is I'm going to do it to my YouTube subscribers. So if you listen on audio, it's okay. You can still get it, but here's how. If you want a free copy of Like Stars, uh, either a digital ebook that you can read on a Kindle or anything, or uh, a promo code to a free audiobook version, um, I want to give away some every one of these four episodes I do to start this new year. So here's what we're going to do. Starting with this episode, uh, if you're interested, you want a free ebook or audiobook, uh, go on to our my Like Stars YouTube page, YouTube at Like Stars Podcast. And super simple. If you're already, maybe you're already watching this, you're on YouTube now, you're already here. Uh, subscribe to the channel if you haven't. That's as simple as just pushing the little button that says subscribe and it adds you and then you get notified when new stuff comes out. Uh, and then all you need to do is leave a comment under this video saying you want one. And uh, I will pull three or four uh, randomly. I got a little thing that randomizes it. And I will say, I'll reach out to you and let you know how you want it. And I will get you a copy of my book. I'll probably do three or four this first episode and then probably three or four every episode during this four uh, arc series. So if you're interested in a free book, and honestly, even like, hey, you really wanted a, a physical um, paperback version of it. I'll do a paperback version, but you'd have to come pick it up because I'm not mailing them across the whatever. So if you want to come grab one from Lakeside, California, uh, I'll even throw in a paperback version as well. So jump on YouTube, subscribe and leave a comment and you can get a free copy. So why not? It'd be a lot of fun. And then maybe while you're there, you can hit the like button for me uh, or share it, leave a review. Man, these things are just so helpful. I love your feedback. Every time I see a review and hear what you're saying and if it's constructive criticism or just whatever, it helps other people find it. And uh, lastly, I'll end with this. If you have had a chance already to read the book, Like Stars, um, it, it, or maybe your most way through it ever, if you've been enjoying it, if you feel like it's been good and you've liked it, I would so, 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 so incredibly appreciate it. If you would jump on Amazon, go to the, that page for the book and leave a review. You don't have to say anything. You just leave some stars. Um, but it's so helpful to me as an author uh, and for other people to find the book and to see it. It's driven by reviews in so many ways. So if you've read it, if you like it, or maybe you just enjoy the podcast and you're like, I, I know what he talks about and you're willing to go on Amazon leave a review, I would so appreciate that. So uh, just, yeah. So big promotion, free books and, uh, love your feedback. And then of course, before we dive in and I know this is getting long, we got to get back to making that real paper, you know, not this pittance book sale money that barely covers the monthly payment on my private jet. No, I need some real cash. So it's time for another sponsor of the like stars podcast. Gotta make that money. So given that we're kicking off a new year, 2024, when I'm recording this early January, I thought the perfect sponsor for this first episode of the new year is everyone's favorite delusion. New year's resolutions. You know the drill. You wake up at 1.30 in the afternoon on New Year's Day, regretting a number of your life choices, and you decide for the 23rd consecutive time that this is going to be the year, right? You're going to finally get in shape and start exercising and turn this thing around. Yeah, sure. You've made the same promise to yourself uh, every single month of January for the past 20 years. Uh, and most years, you've never even made it past the month of January. Actually, a lot of the years, you never made it to January 2nd, but this is going to be the year. Oh, yeah, you're totally going to drop 35 pounds, quit all your bad habits, and be a whole new you. Right, right, right. Uh, when are we just going to admit 
that this whole self-delusional exercise in futility is a waste of time and just stop doing it. Now, there are people out there that actually do this whole goal thing and they achieve their goals and you people are weird and you don't belong on my podcast. Uh, <laughs> you but I do want to admit though, here's the thing. So some of you guys about me, the truth is that actually, yes, I, you might be surprised to know, do make New Year's resolutions. And in fact, uh, I have made the same New Year's resolution every single year for the past 27 some odd years. And unlike all you undisciplined slobs, I actually have successfully met my goal every single year. That's right. I have made a New Year's resolution every year and I have followed through on it every single time. And that's why this January, I am continuing the tradition. I'm continuing the same goal I set for myself every single year, and that is don't die. Yep, that's it. Uh, as, far as, as far as I go. Uh, and here's the great news. Uh, even if this is the year that that doesn't work out, currently I'm 45 and 0, I'm undefeated. But if this is the year that doesn't work out for me, I won't be around to feel bad for it anyway. So it's really a win-win. It's the perfect New Year's resolution. Uh, and that's why it is the sponsor of this episode of the Like Stars podcast, kicking off the new year 2024. All right, let's dive in to our topic this week. Was Jesus a bit of a jerk? Okay, I've been in the Gospels a lot lately over the break, and especially the book of Luke, and I've been struck with how, as I was just kind of going through it, I was just noticing some things, that Jesus sometimes said some pretty harsh stuff borderline almost like I've seen people like that sounds almost racist. He talked to a Canaanite foreigner and called her a dog. He used slave language all the time and talked about being a slave and he, slaves were in his metaphors and his, his parables and things. He talked about like harsh judgment and woe to you and all this kind of stuff. And some of the harshest sounding stuff seemed to stem towards like the religious people or even those who wanted to follow him. Sometimes he just seemed like he was mean to people. I don't like, why are you even doing this? What's the point of this? Uh, talking to some of the religious leaders. He was downright angry. You brood of vipers, uh, you hypocrites, blind guides, you whitewashed tombs. He calls them sons of hell. Like, yikes, woe to you. It's not very nice, Jesus. <laughs> you are you are of your father, the devil. Like, yeah, Jesus, yeah. He's like the kind, loving guy. Um, you wicked and lazy servant, he said people. A rich young ruler came and said, Jesus, I want to follow you. And he's like, well, then go sell everything you have and give it all away and then you can do it. Like, Really? He literally told people, unless you hate your father and mother, you can't follow me. And he talked, told people they had to be homeless. He, one guy was like, I want to follow you, but let me go first finish a funeral and bury my father. He's like, let the dead bury their dead. Like, you don't say that to a guy who just lost his dad. What? Jesus, come on, man. And one guy just wanted to go home and say goodbye to his parents. And she's like, nope, can't do it. <laughs> so it kind of leaves us sometimes. If, like we have this picture in our minds, many of us, that Jesus is just this like, super nice guy who just loves everybody and friendly and hey, I'm Jesus, let's hang out, you know? And then you read some of these passages and you're like, whoa, <laughs> can you say that? Jesus, like, whoa, tone it down, buddy, you know? What's going on? Was this Jesus guy as nice and friendly as we make him out to be? Or are we missing something? But what about these statements, these passages? Well, this is what I want to talk through starting in this episode, and then I'm going to continue. Again, we're going to talk about the racial elements of it, slavery, and even some of the stuff he talked about, the end times and judgment, all those kind of things. So over the next four weeks, but starting, I think just with this idea of like some of the really harsh things he said to people directly. Now, 
as we walk through this, you're going to hear some things that you've heard a lot. If you follow my podcast, you're going to hear some like, yeah, that's, that's, that's like Pete's catchphrase. I'm going to come back to some basic things because oftentimes the basic things are the things we keep have to hold on to again and again to work through difficult issues. And this can be a difficult issue. Jesus was a mean, arrogant jerk. Why do we follow him? So I'm going to, I'm going to walk through this. So just, I'm going to look at some of these passages and whatever, whatever, but I want to do it by reminding you of two basic, fundamental, and essential rules of biblical interpretation. When you are interpreting the Bible, when you're reading it and trying to make sense of it, there's a number of rules, but we're going to talk about two of them. And you've heard them before. I've talked about them before. I'm going to talk about them again. I'm going to keep talking about them. If you are a follower of Like Stars, like these are things you're just going to get used to hearing from me if you haven't already. Two rules of biblical interpretation, and they come into play when asking the question about Jesus's kind of harsh words. First, when you're reading the Bible, I would say, this is kind of my own verbiage here, style matters. Style matters. And what I mean by that, I don't mean like flash. I mean the style of writing, the style of speech. Sometimes it's called, we use the word like rhetoric. Um, there can be like a genre, different words to talk about. But essentially, what kind of thing am I reading? And I, I've talked about this before, but I want to come back to it. When you open up the Bible and you start reading, it's important that you identify, like, what is this style of writing? And I've made this analogy before. If I pick up, um, you know, a book and I start reading about dragons or aliens or something, there's an assumption in my mind that I'm not reading a modern history. I'm reading something fantastical. Uh, similarly, if I read up, if I pick up a book talking to me about, you know, how to overcome stuff in your life by Pastor So and So. I think to myself, I'm not reading a fairy tale. I'm probably reading like a message or a preaching. So what am I reading? Is this a story? Is this preaching? Is it poetry? Is it prophecy? And then once I kind of get the idea of the style, then of like the, the genre, I start talking about like, well, how is the person communicating? Are they, are they saying things that are meant to be taken at sort of face value, like what we might call literally? Or are they speaking in more metaphors? Are they using parallelisms and analogies? Jesus often did that. He, he would sometimes just say things. When Jesus said, you've heard it said, don't murder, but I say that style of speech is just direct. It's just, he's just preaching. But other times he's like, oh, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who buries treasure in a field. Like both of those things by Jesus, he's speaking truth to us, but he's talking differently. And we have to understand that one of them is like direct straight on communication. Uh, often the word is exposition or expository, like just speaking it out. And the other is a parable. It's using a picture that isn't real in order to communicate a truth. Sometimes Jesus and other New Testament authors spoke using irony or even humor. Uh, and so like what, and I did a whole podcast early on in the beginning, uh, if you're following from the beginning, like episode six or something, looking at Genesis one. And that was the principle. Am I reading something that's meant to be like face value literally, or is this more metaphorical? Style matters. And sometimes when we're talking about style, we're talking about how you're communicating, the words you're using, a key to understand is that Jesus like all great orders of his day, clearly enjoyed what we would call hyperbole. Hyperbole, if you're not familiar with that word, it's okay, uh, is essentially a form of speaking or communicating in which you overemphasize or exaggerate an idea for effect. Now, I want to be careful because the word exaggerate can have two meanings. I don't mean exaggerate as in like lie, like, you know, I, I am exaggerating my resume in order to get a job. I mean, 
over-the-top, semi-unrealistic statements that are so over-the-top, so big that you're like, well, I know he's not being serious, but he's just trying to make a point. For example, here's, here's an example of hyperbole with Jesus. He's talking about us dealing with sin. And he says, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. <laughs> or if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. Listen, that's hyperbole. That's exaggerated for effect kind of communication. Jesus did that a lot. Jesus did not actually want you to cut out one of your eyes or chop off your hand. He wasn't literally saying you need to maim yourself. So in this moment, what we're, we want to do is we want to make sure like, if I'm reading, it'd be easy to be like, well, this is the word of God. Jesus spoke and he said, I'm supposed to, you know, cut off my hand. It's like, well, that, that's a problem. Let's step back. Before I assume that Jesus is wanting me to harm myself, I need to identify style. And in that case, the style is hyperbole. Um, there's a moment where he talks about, he says this, it's harder for a camel to enter the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Is he saying like it's impossible? Like it's just, it's it's hyperbole. It's over the top. A camel can't enter through the eye of a needle. It's just a picture. Uh, he talks a lot about you have to sell everything and become like. Does he literally mean you can't have any money, or is he saying, "Hey, I want to address this thing that finances have on you"? Um, there's a place where he says, "Call no man your father." Well, did Jesus actually mean it was a sin to call your dad father? Or was he sort of making a general statement, a, a over-the-top statement about what does it mean to see God as the ultimate authority figure in your life? This is kind of what I'm getting at. So when we're looking at the words of Jesus, and some of them seem harsh or over-the-top, we need to first take into style as, as, a, as an issue. Is like, what, what is Jesus meaning this literally, or is he kind of being over-the-top? Because oftentimes that can be the first thing that just helps us work through it. Uh, so you need to start there. Understand how the words of Jesus were meant to be heard and understood. Before assuming he was an unreasonably mean jerk, ask, was he intending for his words to be heard and understood the way that you're hearing them? And oftentimes, as we'll see in a bit, what sounds odd or off or almost uncomfortable to us can often do so because we're not quite understanding the way that he was communicating. So style matters. And this is always true when we're interpreting the Bible. Second thing. You have absolutely heard this if you've listened to any of my podcasts. <laughs> Context is king. Context is king. What surrounds the text? What goes with the text? Context is so important. You've heard me say it so many times. Context, context, context. It can change everything. Uh, I had dinner with some friends the other night, and my, uh, my friend Jeremy, he was telling the story about how he had the opportunity to be on a reality TV show. And he was telling us the whole the detail that sounded a lot of fun. And he told us how there was a moment where he was in, he was having an interview in a car and the person interviewing him asked him a very specific question. He's in law enforcement and they asked him a question about law enforcement. And I think the context was, you know, when you're approaching somebody that you have to arrest, how do you handle the fear? And he gave a very like, well, you know, you have to hold it in and you can't show fear when you're about to approach someone that's going to be a criminal or something. He was talking about law enforcement and arresting people. And when they actually aired the episode that he was in, they took his words talking about law enforcement and applied it to like just him talking to friends. And it made him look like he was like this really cold, like hard hearted person that can't ever be real with people. And all they did was they took words out of context. They removed something he said from the context in which he said it, and they completely changed what he was actually saying or wanting to say. We gotta be careful that we're not doing that when we read the Bible. 
what is the context in which Jesus was saying the things that you think are so mean or harsh or, you know, over the top and maybe a jerky. So this means literally the text itself. What was going on? If you find a passage or a verse where Jesus says something mean, what is the context of the passage? What is he talking about? What did he, what did he say before and after? What was going on? Who, who was he talking to? And this brings up not just the text itself, but the culture and the world around him. Who were these people he was speaking with? What were their values? What were they doing? What weren't they doing that might have led him to say what he was saying? What were social things that might have been going on that would maybe speak into what he was saying and why he was saying it? How would these statements have been heard and understood to those people at that time? And was there something going on behind the scenes that might help us make sense of his words? Context, context. And I would just say like right off the bat, let's just dive in. Who was he talking to? <laughs> just Let's just start there. Before you say, man, Jesus was mean. He was, he was a jerk sometimes. Well, who was he talking to? And I would just start here and say many, many of the harshest things that Jesus said, if you were going to make a list, like that's harsh, that's harsh, and you just a whole bunch of them were actually directed at a very specific group of people. And though that specific group of people, I would just classify as leaders. And not just leaders, but leaders who were failing. Jesus came out swinging against those who were trusted to lead others and were failing miserably. And I don't just mean he was mad at people who maybe weren't doing a good job or made mistakes. He was coming at people who he thought were actually leading other people astray. Uh, when, it, when they were making their leadership more about their own gain, their own wealth, what they wanted, rather than what was good for the people they were called to lead. These were the people he was labeling whitewashed tombs, you know, like you're actually dead inside, even though you look on the outside. You hypocrite, you're not doing what you tell people to do. You're a blind guide, a brood of vipers, and vipers like ate their way out of their own mothers. Like you are not what you're supposed to be. So some of Jesus's harshest words that you're like, man, this guy, this guy, mean. We have to understand the context of those words were often directed at people that he felt were mismanaging and abusing power. And I don't think we can escape this truth. And I, I want you to hear this. Sometimes Jesus just wasn't messing around and likely did speak harshly. And I'm not trying to like, well, you did, actually, he didn't really talk harshly in the context. No, no, the context of these passages, he said some really harsh stuff. Um, when he looked at those people and said, you are a brood of vipers, uh, everyone around them would have been shocked that he just said that. They certainly were because they ended up killing him. <laughs> like he offended them. But it's, but again, why did he offend them? What was going on? What's the context? Well, the context was that Jesus was speaking to the leaders of the people, the religious leaders who were supposed to be guiding the people closer to God. And instead, many of them were just making it about themselves, their own glory, filling their pockets with money from the temple, doing all kinds of things that he was angry about. And right from the beginning, just I think we should just acknowledge this, okay? I'll, we're starting right here. Our picture of a sweet, kindly Bob Ross <laughs> Jesus might actually be part of our problem. Jesus is sometimes described as a lamb, which is a very gentle creature, but it's always related to like the sacrificial element. He chose to lay himself down like a lamb as a sacrifice. But just as often, he's described as a lion <laughs> roaring with teeth, uh, a warrior king. And we need to keep that in mind. But I don't say he's a lion in the sense of like a predator roaming around eating everybody. 
it's a lion in the sense of some enemy is about to come and attack the cubs and the paws come out <laughs> like you mess with these little lions you're going to get the you're you're going to get mauled basically what we see in this moment oftentimes when some of the harshest things that Jesus said that made him sound like kind of a mean guy were directed towards people that were abusing and misleading other people and so in a sense we say well I thought Jesus was all about love well it was love that was causing and leading Jesus to protect the rest of the people who were being abused or misled by their leaders. It was love that was causing Jesus often to speak harshly against those people who were not doing what they were supposed to do and caring for others. Jesus was caring for the average person by coming after the leader that was abusing them. And so that's an, see how context matters there? If you remove the context and you just take the sentence, he called someone a brood of vipers? What a mean person. Who did he call that? Why did he call them that? What were they doing? Context. Instead of being kind of a really mean jerk, we actually see that he was very defensive of the poor and the oppressed, the people who were being abused. He was standing up and fighting for. That changes the picture, doesn't it? And oftentimes, too, another side, we also see some heavy language directed at Israel as a whole. He calls Israel like a wicked and lazy servant. But even there, there's something similar because Israel, as I've talked about in this podcast, was called and intended by God to be a light to the world and lead the rest of the world back to God. But Jesus came and was like, you were supposed to lead people back to, back to God, but all you did was make it about yourself. I'm angry at you. You, were, you did a poor job leading the rest of the world. So again, so much of Jesus' strongest, angriest rhetoric was directed against leaders who were not doing what they were supposed to. And I think we should hear that and, and receive it. You know, his brother James would later write, not many of you should strive to be leaders. It's a, it's a serious thing. And, and I think Jesus wants you to hear that. Not that, you know, every mistake is going to be, you know, you're horrible. But when a leader takes their position and abuses it in order to hurt others, I mean, at one point Jesus said, it would be better for you if you're going to lead my children astray or abuse a child, just go ahead and tie a stone around your neck and jump in the river and drown yourself. <laughs> like that's, that's pretty heavy, right? That's not sweet loving Jesus. Um, but he's like, look, I'm speaking to people that are abusing others and his righteousness, his justice is coming out in those moments. So context, who he's talking to matters. Now let's shift gears a little bit. In the same vein, context, who are you talking to? What are you talking about? There are also a number of sayings that Jesus makes to people that want to follow him that come across very harsh. Hate your father and mother. Give everything away. Don't go to your father's funeral. All this kind of stuff. And even here, these things that sound harsh, like, wow, man, he's kind of... Again, what is the context? Let's start there. Well, almost all of those passages, and I'm, I can't say all, but almost all of them, fit within one big framework. They fit within Jesus speaking to people who are thinking about or considering or wanting to actually follow him. And when they come and say, I want to follow you, sometimes his response would be a little bit snipey. Um, but I think the snipiness is something that we got to talk through and ask why. Again, there's context here. You can't just take it out of context. So in Luke 14, for example, uh, starting in verse 25, it says this, large crowds were traveling with Jesus. So lots of people. Everyone, oh, Jesus, awesome. He's hearing people, you know, miracles. This guy's cool. It's great. It's all. And turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and doesn't hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. You're like, whoa, <laughs> Jesus, why would you say that? Well, let's look at the context. Large crowds were following him. I think right there, you can pull out the context and say, Jesus is addressing the casual follower. 
Jesus is speaking into a group of people who are like, yeah, we'll follow Jesus. He's given us everything we want. That's the context, large crowds. And he's saying, hold on, before you decide to follow me, you need to know this isn't just about the good days. This isn't just about, yeah, miracles and all this kind of stuff. There, this is going to be a real heavy thing. So this large crowd of you know bandwagon fans are now hearing, if you want to stay on this bandwagon, it's going to cost you. Have you thought about it? And he'll go on to say, have you considered the cost? And now this is where context and style meet each other. In that time and place, the words hate and love carried a slightly different connotation than they do today. Love was not a feeling, it was a commitment. And thus its opposite hate wasn't just like, I'm angry at you, I don't like you. It was a rejection of, it was a, like you are, I'm pushing, it's like, think of love and hate in this context as priority lists. One is being risen to the top, one is being put down at the bottom. And so when he says, don't hate your, you have to you hate your father and mother, he wasn't, it's hyperbole for one. It's absolutely, he's, he, here we see, it's over the top, it's exaggerated speech. He's not literally saying, as you and I would think, hate your father and mother. You know, when I was a youth pastor, teenagers love that. That was their favorite verse in the whole Bible. Yeah, hate mom and dad, check, got it, we're done. Um, Jesus wasn't telling us to hate our parents. He was using hyperbolic, over the top language in the context of telling a lot of bandwagon fans do you understand that I'm calling you to something serious? That if you want to be my disciple, a relationship with me has to be supreme. Nothing can come above it. Context, cultural context, in that time and place, the most important relationship in your life was family. One of the Ten Commandments was honor your father and mother. Family was everything. You had ultimate responsibility and loyalty to your family. Jesus was basically saying, I want you to put me above the most important relationship in your life. Your entire culture says the most important thing you can do is love, prioritize, give good, care for, be committed to your mother, father, husband, wife, and children. I want to be above them. I, if you're going to follow me, I need to be more than that, which was very extreme. So the issue I'm talking about here is not, well, you know, once you know culture, it's not so extreme. No, no, it was very extreme but it wasn't as harsh and mean and jerky as it might sound to us. It was a call to elevate him as a priority in a way that culturally was crazy and unacceptable and wild and would have been rejected. The crowd would have immediately started thinning out. In the same way, any of you who doesn't give up everything cannot be my disciple. Well, okay, is he saying like you can't own anything? You have to be just a, a homeless beggar? Um, do I have to sell everything I own? Well, the word here is actually separate. Uh, have to separate from everything as if the stuff can't control you. We, we want stuff, it's who we are. We want new clothes, nice cars, bigger homes, newer phones, right? The commercials tell us the stuff we make will make us happy and so we want it, so you know, get more, hold on to stuff. You know, we, we don't wanna be the old nerdy guy on the Apple commercial, we want the cool hip one, right? But, but at what cost? And for Jesus, he's saying, look, your desire for stuff, which is often then a desire to work more hours and try to make more money, your desire for more and taking care of yourself, you've gotta put me ahead of it. Jesus must be more important than our stuff, than the things that make us feel good and that we want. So in a sense, again, notice the hyperbolic exaggerated language is getting your attention, but the message itself is pretty extreme. He was giving an extreme message to a group of bandwagon people who were just like, yeah, we want to follow Jesus. This is great. Like, hold on. Will you make me more important than your family? Will you make me more important than your stuff and your comfort? 
it didn't mean you couldn't have stuff. It didn't mean you were supposed to reject your family completely. It meant I need to be the priority in your life. And that's heavy. Let's look at a few other ones. Uh, in Luke 9, there's this really interesting passage. There's three examples that come up in Luke 9, 57 through 62. Uh, and, and I'm just going to walk through them quickly. As they, the, the people, were walking along the road, a man said to Jesus, him, he said, I will follow you wherever you go. So here's a guy that's like, all right, yeah, I'm in, Jesus, I want to follow you. Jesus looks at him and replies, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Which basically was Jesus like, oh, you want to follow me? I'm homeless. <laughs> you still in? <laughs> hey, Jesus, I'll follow you. This sounds like fun. I'm enjoying this. Oh, you just healed a guy. This is awesome. You know, big deal. I'm in. Really? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm homeless. Uh, and you think like, well, what does a home represent? Security, comfort, safety, like literally having a home. Are you willing to abandon your security? Are you willing to step out even though all your earthly comforts might be in jeopardy? Because going all in with Jesus means there might be times of uncertainty. You might, like the, that man, and then again, like are we talking about metaphorical, hyperbolic language? No, Jesus was literally homeless. It se <laughs> that seems to have been true. It seems like, oh yeah, well, if you follow me, like I don't, I don't live anywhere. We just travel around and preach. You want to come with me and do that? Now, do you and I read that passage and say, well, okay, it's 2024 now. Should I be homeless and follow Jesus? Well, he wasn't saying you have to be homeless. He wasn't saying if you have a home, you're disobeying and sinning against God. He was just saying, look, are you willing to like be homeless to follow me? Are you willing to give up anything to follow me? That's the context. That's what's happening behind the scenes. So again, you could look at this and say, man, Jesus was just kind of mean. He's telling the guy he can't have a home. He told that rich young guy to sell all his stuff. I don't think the point is you can't have finances or earthly goods. The point Jesus was making in this over-the-top extreme language was, am I going to be the thing that's most important? Are you, are you willing to risk? Are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to go without to follow me? It's not all fun and games. And so the language that feels mean and feels that is just him kind of like, it's kind of like he's poking the bear a little bit. Are you willing to do this with me? He goes on in verse 59. This is a hard one too. He said to another man, follow me. Jesus like, hey, you come follow me. It's going to be great. The man replied, Lord. And so right off the bat, Lord, meaning I accept that you're Lord. I, I believe you are who you said you were. First, let me go and bury my father. Okay, cool. Yeah, dude, my dad died. <laughs> Can I go bury my dad? Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. You go and proclaim the kingdom of God. I, I, I mean, come on, Jesus. I can't even go to my dad's funeral. Well, listen, again, now we're, let's talk about context. Let's talk about culture. What's going on here? Well, here's what you need to know. There's, there's cultural context here. First, when they talked about burying the dead, they didn't mean my dad died yesterday. So when a person died, they actually, uh, the common way of going about it was they would take the body, they would wrap it, and they would put it in a tomb and wait for all of the, the flesh and stuff to decay and only be bones left. Then when there were only bones left, they would place those bones with the tombs of the rest of the fathers. That's how it worked. There's two things to know about that. Okay, first, and again, we're getting cultural context. Jesus wasn't just being a jerk here. Um, it would probably take at least a year. So if this man's dad died a couple weeks ago, burying his father wasn't like, I got a funeral next week. It was, I have to wait here until his body decomposes. That could be a year and a half at least. Uh, so G he was putting this off massively. Just like, no, we're going to go now. But there's something even deeper to this. Ready? In that culture, 
there was actually a responsibility placed upon the oldest son to handle all the funeral arrangements for the parents. You were actually expected to take care of your parents in their old age, and then when they died, you were supposed to bury them appropriately. It was a big part of their culture. Okay, responsibility, but there's more. (laughs) When the father died and you had all the money that was added up, the inheritance money, it was divided among the children. But the oldest got a double portion. So if there's four kids, it wasn't divided up four ways. It was divided up five ways, and the oldest got two, and everyone else got one. So if there's $100,000, and you divide it among four kids, it wasn't everybody got $25,000. It was one of them got double that. (laughs) One of them got $40,000, and the others got less. So uh, this is why for this man to say, let me go bury my father, it was responsibility, it was social norms, it was a long time, and it was making sure he got his inheritance. So when you add those things in, listen to the story again. Jesus, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and handle all these responsibilities. It's going to take me a long time, but I need to make sure I get the money. (laughs) Let the dead bury their dead. How about you let those who are more concerned with their inheritance and getting everything they need handle those things, and you just come and do something amazing with me? Jesus, I'm up for following you, but can I take a year off? (laughs) I'll lose out on a big paycheck if I don't. I was planning on that money. I needed to live off to be comfortable. And Jesus looks at him and says, let those who live for money and success worry about money and success. You put it on the table and go on with me. And I think in that moment, again, I know this is still harsh. It's still heavy. You're meant to hear it as heavy, but you're not meant to hear it as Jesus is being a jerk when you understand the cultural context. Then he goes on one more. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. (laughs) This is a small thing. That's not gonna take a year. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. (laughs) I can't even say goodbye to my family. It's overly harsh. Jesus, you're being mean. Well, again, let me give you a slightly different perspective. It's likely that Jesus wasn't saying he couldn't go and kiss his mom goodbye. I mean, it's not like Jesus was asking him to go on a trip he would never return from. They weren't leaving forever. They were just traveling around the countryside. There's something deeper here. uh, And we see it when Jesus makes the comment about the plow. The picture of is of a farmer who had a plow was, you know, this, this two pieces of wood with a metal point that would be led by a, an, an ox pulling it. And you're trying to plow a straight line that you can then put seeds in. And the pictures of a, of a farmer trying to steer this thing in a straight line, but he's constantly looking back over his shoulder, looking behind him. And there, in, in doing so, the plow is starting to veer and go off course and miss the mark. Maybe maybe the young man wants to go home and try to explain this whole Jesus. Thing. Listen, hey guys, listen, I'm about to go follow this guy, Jesus. Let me explain it to you because I know it might sound weird. Let me, let me help you understand it. Get, maybe he wants their approval. Maybe he doesn't want people to think he's weird for being sold out or whatever. Or maybe it's just a matter of Jesus like, hey, like you're going to be constantly distracted. Like there's a sense of like you're, this thing behind you that you want. I think it represents someone unwilling to completely break from their old way of life. A desire to follow Jesus while also holding on to what was. And Jesus looks at the man and says, if you try to follow me, but you're still tied to your former life, you'll always be looking over your shoulder and never plow a straight line. You'll be worthless. There's a great story by the famous church uh, father named St. Augustine. St. Augustine grew up in a very wealthy, opulent time of Roman history. And he came to the Lord as a young man 
And he, there's this great, he wrote a, a biography about his own life. And there's this great line, he says, when he first realized what God was calling to. And there's a famous quote, St. Augustine prays this to the Lord. He says, Lord, make me chaste, but not yet. <laughs> like, I know I'm supposed to like give up on sleeping with prostitutes and all that kind of stuff. And I want that. Help me become what you want me to be, God. But not yet. I still kind of like it. Uh, you know, I, I'm still, I'm still enjoying myself. And I think there's a similar parallel there. What sounds like a very harsh, angry, I'm mean and you're going to follow me. You can't even say goodbye to your parents. I think when you dig deeper, what you're seeing is it's got to be total commitment. It's got to be that life is over. The things that you used to live for, the things that used to matter for you, the things that you used to find joy and happiness and contentment and approval and self-identity in, you've got to let those things go and now you're clinging to me. And in doing so, he's exaggerating. He's using big, over-the-top. Of course, you can say goodbye to your mom. It's, it's the, it's, there's something deeper I'm talking about here. Of course, you could go to your dad's funeral. But are you going to choose the year and the big payout at the end over being my disciple? So where this lands, I think, is this. Yes, sometimes Jesus was harsh. Sometimes he was mean. But usually when he was actually mean, it was... Direct, it was directed at leaders who were leading other people astray. And he wasn't having that because he's a loving father who wants to protect people. A lot of the other times, though, when Jesus sounds mean or sounds like he's being a jerk, when you look at the context or dig deeper, you realize he's often speaking hyperbolically. He's, speaking, he's exaggerating a little bit. And he's usually trying to get at a deeper issue. He's usually aiming at something about our heart and our commitment level and the kinds of things we're holding on to, the kinds of things that we naturally prioritize and want. And he's saying, but if you don't give that up, if you don't put me above it, if following me isn't your first and primary, most important priority in your life, you're missing it. And to say that, to communicate that can be heavy. And yes, sometimes it comes across harsh. Does it make Jesus a jerk? Well, here's what I would say to that. And I'll end here. If you go to a doctor and you're really suffering and the doctor says, all right, you have got to lose weight or you're going to be in trouble. You got to stop eating junk food. It's like, well, that's mean. Oh, I don't, did you call me fat? You know, <laughs> like, come on, doc. I got feelings, bro. Well, if he's actually trying to save you and he's actually trying to steer you towards something that is good, it's not him being a jerk. He's not intentionally trying to be mean to you. He's trying to get your attention and pull you out of something in bad into something better. And I think that's the best way to read a lot of these passages where Jesus is coming across so strong, sometimes almost too strong. He's, he's seeing something that we're holding on to that isn't actually our best. And he's saying, I, I just think that, that that line, like you got to die to yourself in order to find life. The life you're trying to create for yourself is not as good as the one that Jesus has for you. So let it go. And he has to like use these sometimes extreme, over the top, sometimes almost like harsh and crazy statements to sort of wake us up and get us to see, oh, you're calling me to something very different and it's gonna be hard, but it's gonna be worth it. He's not a jerk. He wasn't a mean person. Sometimes he came down on people who were leading others astray. That's just a God of justice and love, protecting people. And even when it seemed like he was being harsh to his followers, it was because he loved them. It was because he was calling them to something better and trying to convince them to give up the things they thought were better for their lives but actually weren't. And so much of that idea is at the root of Christianity. Will you and I trust that God has something better for us and listen to him even when it's kind of harsh or over the top? Like, I think he knows what he's talking about, so I got to trust. And a big part of that 
is choosing to follow and put him above everything else. It is the wisest thing you and I can do. All right, that was the first of four episodes of Harsh Statements of Jesus. And guess what? I think it might have been the easiest one. <laughs> so we're going to dive into, we're going to talk about racism in the ancient world next next episode. Jesus said something really harsh to a foreigner and people are like, whoa, to the, and I, for good reason. What does that mean for the way they thought of race and race relationships in the ancient world? How do they think of each other in those ways? And then, yeah, we're going to dive into maybe the hardest subject in the New Testament in some ways, slavery. Ooh, ugh. But I, I want to talk about it. I don't want to be, I don't want to shy away from trying to address it. I know a lot of you have questions like, is the Bible pro-slavery? Was Jesus for it? Why doesn't he speak against it? We're going to talk about that in a future episode. And then, yeah, I, I've had so many people ask me about end times. I'm going to fit it in here and talk about Jesus's Matthew 25, 24, his statements about coming again, his return and all those kinds of things. And what, did he... Did he say he was going to come when the disciples were still alive? And what, what does it look like? What should we be waiting for? So that'll be the fourth of this series arc. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So again, if you want a free copy of Like Stars, make sure you leave a comment. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. And leave a comment. Tell me. And uh, I'll select some people randomly and send them to you for free. Leave a comment. Share. Uh, hit the like button. Even if you don't win, hit the like button because... You like me and I like you. Uh, whatever. I was dumb. Uh, but yeah, we will see you on the next episode looking at the harsh and difficult and challenging statements of Jesus together on the Like Stars podcast, seeking wisdom in God's life and God's world for our lives. All right, guys, we'll see you next time. You consume me and I burn.